Okay, well, um, we're going to just jump into what uh, I feel like God wants to tell us today um, because he's been dealing with me. And I thought just maybe if he's dealing with me, he's been dealing with you too. So I'm just going to share. I, I heard this saying recently. I was listening to a minister on YouTube, and he made a statement that I don't think I've ever heard quite this way, but I really liked it, so I'm going to share. And he said, anytime you hear a message, anytime you're hearing a sermon, personalize it. Isn't that good? You know, so many times, and I know I'm not the only one, so y'all can just be real. But so many times we're listening to a pastor speak, and we're like, ooh, I hope my sister's hearing this one. I hope my husband's really tuned in today because he needs this one. You know, when all the time it's for us. It's so easy to say, oh, yeah, somebody else needs this. But God's got you listening to the message because you need to hear it. So I just ask a favor today. Just personalize the message. Can y'all do that? Okay. Well, let's pray real quick because God knows I need it. Heavenly Father, we come before you today because you are the God that can do the impossible. You can work through whoever and whatever you want. And for some reason, you've selected me for the hour. And so, God, here's my mouth. Here's my hands. Here's my feet. Just use me according to your plan. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. And everybody say amen. Amen. Um, I don't know if everybody's aware, but um, Monday through Friday, right here in this area of the building that we lease, we have about anywhere from 30 to 60 plus kids, little kids, uh, from newborn to kindergarten. And they're running around here, and they're learning, and um, it's called the Bridge Kids Academy. And, you know, I was thinking about kids and how... They just are so good at certain things like dreaming. You ever notice? I mean, you know. You know three- and four-year-olds. And you ask them, what do you want to be when you grow up? And you can see their little wheels begin to spin. You know what I mean. And their eyes light up, and they might start twirling. I'm going to be a ballerina. I'm going to be a Disney princess. Or maybe a little boy will say, um... I'm going to be a fireman or a policeman, somebody he thinks is really cool. Or he might even say, I'm going to be Spider-Man. You know, why not, right? And so what well, God has really blessed Steve and I, and we've got five grandchildren. And so I thought I would do a little homework myself. So I will tell you, I didn't ask our youngest, Knox, because this week he's going to be one. But he's not telling us yet what he's going to be. But I did text Jenna, and I said, Jenna, could you ask Hadley what she wants to be when she grows up? And so right away, Jenna texted me back and said, yeah, she wants to be like Daddy. I thought, how sweet. I want to be like your Daddy, too, when I grow up. I thought that was pretty cool for her. But she texted me right back and said, oh, yeah, just last week she told me she's going to be a mermaid. <laughs> right? So I had the three older ones last Saturday in the car. And so Indy, Lila, and Roman. I did the same thing. Okay, kids, if you can be anything you want to be when you grow up, what do you want to be? So six-year-old Roman, he said something I've never heard, and I know that don't surprise you. 
If you know Roman, you're not surprised at all. Do you know what he told me he wants to be? The Holy Spirit. Now, I will tell you, he was having a really spiritual day. Because I asked him what he wanted. If he could create a park, he wants a mansion. He wants God there and the Holy Spirit. So he was just having a spiritual day that day. But then I jumped to our nine-and-a-half-year-old, Lila. I said, okay, Lulu, what are you going to be? She knows. Mama can tell me right now. She's going to be a gymnast, shock, and a babysitter. So all of you women with little babies, in a few years, Lila's your girl. And then I got to Indy. I see a lot of myself in Indy. She just seems so grown up because she's almost 11. Okay, Indy, your turn. And you know what she told me? I don't know. I said, okay, if you can be anything, think about this. You can be anything you want to be. Well, maybe a, a chef. Do you notice how the older you get, the more logical you get? And you start losing the ability to dream. Isn't that kind of sad? You know, I really think Jesus loves dreamers. I mean, in the New Testament, he's got this crowd of people around him, right? And the kids start getting close to him. All the little children will want to do the grown-ups, the mature people say, get away from him. Leave him alone. But what does Jesus say? No, no, no. You let those babies come to me. Bring those babies to me. And then he has the nerve to turn around to the mature people and say, if you want to enter the kingdom of heaven, you got to figure out how to be like these little children. What's so special about little children? They haven't realized there's limitations. There's a box you're supposed to be living in. And the older you get, you cram on the lid too. But no, I think Jesus was like, no, figure out how to believe me. And if I say something, remember, I'm the one that can do the impossible. Just dream. And so I, I think even all through scripture, I can prove my point that God loves dreamers. I mean, you start in the book of Genesis, the very beginning. People are dreaming. People are hearing God say to do crazy things, and they're believing it, and they're doing it. Then you get to the very last book of the Bible, Revelation, what's going on? John's having a vision. He's having a dream. God's given him a future plan. Now, it doesn't mean we have to understand. It doesn't have to mean we like it. But God, I'm firmly believing right now, wants to do something with us today if we will just dream. So today the story I want to use to support my uh, belief is in Genesis Chapter 12, verse 1, we meet this guy. And it says, The Lord had said to Abram, Leave your native country, your relatives and your family, your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. Verse 2, I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I'm going to make you famous. And you will be a blessing to others. Verse 3. I'm going to bless those who bless you. I'm going to curse those who treat you with contempt. 
and all of the families on earth will be blessed through you. Isn't that incredible? Incredible. I mean, I think sometimes when we think of Bible characters, we think they're like this really super special. No, they were just real people like you and me. But he heard the voice of God say, Abram, I've got a plan for you. First of all, I need you to get out of your comfort zone. You know that safety space you like to live? First, you got to leave it. You got to leave your land, your father's family, and go to a land that I'll show you. And then I'm going to bless you. I'm going to, in fact, bless, this is just mind-boggling, but all people on planet Earth will be blessed because of you. Now, tell me that one makes sense. Tell me that one's logical. (laughs) But you know what? Abram had this habit of believing God, and he proved it by his actions. It's easy to say you believe, but what do your actions say? So verse 4, so Abram departed as the Lord had instructed, and Lot, who was his nephew, went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he left Haran. And then the scripture jumps back to say, okay, he took Lot with him and his wife, Sarai, and they took off following the plan that God had given him. I find this, maybe because I have an issue with age, but I find this very odd how God is, like, starting to tell the story. You know, you're reading the Bible, and it's like, so Abram left. He took Lot with him, and oh, yeah, by the way, he was 75 years old. And then he gets back to the story. Oh, yeah, he took Lot and Sarai, and they took off. Why does Scripture bother telling us people's ages I think there's two reasons, especially for this story. Number one, I think we need to realize that I don't care what age you are. God don't care what age you are. He still has a plan for you and a dream for your life. And I think the second thing that this story will show us that it won't happen overnight. How many times have you felt excited about a plan, about a dream that you feel like God has given you, but a month later it hasn't happened, so whatever. Must have been the pizza I ate, you know? But no, not Abram. He believed. And so it tells us, I mean, in the next couple verses, you see, he he got to Canaan. He went to the land God told him, and he found a place to camp, settle in for the night. And God talks to him again, and God says, this land I'm going to give to your descendants. Scriptures go on, and we start seeing Abram just living his life, you know, just like we live our life. He's doing the things he needs to do. Remember, he had responsibilities like we have responsibilities. He had a wife, and he had his nephew with him because his brother had died. And so he had his nephew tag along with him. And as you're reading, you see, yeah, he's a real-life person because problems start popping up. And when I say problems, I mean like a famine. And so God, for a little bit, had to take him off route. So they could eat. But then at the end of the chapter, you see they're back on the road. They're back in their land that God had promised to give to the descendants. And they just continue living life. Then there's a famine. I mean, a a war. 
Big things is what I'm trying to say. Big things. We feel like we go through things nobody else goes through. But we all, we all have our own versions of famines and wars. And this time, um, Lot was actually taken captive by the enemy. And Abram had to get a bunch of men together. And I can tell you that probably wasn't very easy. But they, they did what they needed to do, and they did rescue Lot. You know, two things popped out at me while I'm reading the few scriptures on the life of Abram. And I noticed it kept referring to he traveled in stages. He moved in stages. God didn't just pluck him up and put him here, and everything was revealed, and woo. No, it happened in stages. It happened while he was just living life, doing what he was supposed to do. Then we flip over to chapter 15, verse 1, and it says, Some time later. Remember how I told you? God takes time to develop your plan because you're not ready for it. In fact, Abram hadn't even had it all revealed yet because he gives it to us in stages. And so it says some time later, he wasn't 75 anymore, but the Lord spoke to him in a vision and he said, do not be afraid, Abram. How many times have you heard that when reading the Bible? God would give a plan or dream to somebody and then he'll stop and say, but don't be afraid. Because Abram was afraid. When you read the scripture, you see more than once he did some really stupid things like lie about who his wife was because of fear. But I will tell you this. He still believed in spite of his mistakes, and God didn't give up on him because God had given him a plan and a dream, and Abram believed it. So as we go on to a couple verses later, I think, Courtney, I, uh, what was it? Oh, yeah, this one I love. Then the Lord took Abram outside and said to him, look up into the sky and count the stars if you can. Because he knew he couldn't. That's how many descendants you're going to have. Right before this, you know what he told him? And remember, he started at 75, and it had been some time after that. He said, you're going to have a son. Now, that all sounds great, all sounds dandy, except it wasn't logical. I mean, come on, let's be real. Logic facts will tell you it's not going to happen because they're too old. It's not going to happen because they don't have any children. And it's not going to happen because for eight decades, his wife was unable to get pregnant. Eight decades. It's even hard for us to comprehend because none of us have lived that long. But that's how long she had tried having a baby, and she couldn't. But God now saying, Sarah's going to have a baby. I think it's really cool when you're reading. It's kind of like matter of fact, but at some point in the stages they were going through, God said, Abram, I'm going to change your name to Abraham and Sarai, I'm changing her name to Sarah. And it's so much easier to just say Abraham and Sarah, right? But God changed their names. 
He changed them because they were going to be mightily used of him. And he wanted them to remember, you're not the old people you were. You're not who you used to be. I've given you a new name, and it's written down in glory. <laughs> there was a song when I was a little kid. That was my favorite song. There's a new name written down in glory, and it's mine. Oh, yes, it's mine. And he gave them a new name. We become new creatures when we give ourselves to Christ. So they go on. Eight decades, she had wanted a baby and was unable to. In fact, if you go back to chapter 11 of Genesis and we're first introduced to them, that's how the verse describes her. She couldn't have babies. And that's what she had believed for eight decades. Everybody knew she couldn't have a baby. But how many knows that when God gives you a promise, it's going to happen. It doesn't make sense. It's not logical. That's why God is known for doing the impossible. That's what makes him God. And sure enough, 25 years after they left their comfort zone, 25 years, she ends up pregnant. Sarah ends up pregnant. Now, as a mother of two, and I had them at 22 and 25, I can tell you, well, no, I can't. I can't even imagine what this poor woman went through. I can just see her waddling around the tent with her bowl because who knows, morning sickness hits whenever, or afternoon sickness. You moms know what I mean? The evening sickness, and it's not fun. But she was carrying a dream. And then her little body gets contorted, and she's got this baby kick in her insides, and then the birth. The birth. I can pretty much guarantee that was the most pain she had ever had in her 90 years with no epidural. But you know what? When you have a dream... Every pain you feel is worth it. And then they were holding this little baby. I just wonder when Abraham was looking at this baby, if he didn't flash back to that night when God said, hey, come out here and look at the stars. That's how many descendants you're going to have. Now they're looking at the first little star. A star is born. His name is Isaac. Now, you know the story, but they don't get to live long enough to see the fulfillment of that dream. But it's okay. Because when God gives a big dream, it's going to live longer than you. How many know that? But what did happen that we know is that little boy grew up and had two little boys named Esau and Jacob. And then Jacob had a really similar experience as Grandpa Abraham had had. And God changed his name, too, to Israel. And that promise that God had given to Abraham, I will make unto you a nation, we were just there a few years ago. It's been thousands of years and Abraham's dream is still going. It's still going. But what is even more exciting to me, <laughs> as a believer, when we flip to Matthew chapter 1 and we start reading about the life of our Lord and Savior, how does it start? 
This is the record of the ancestors of Jesus, the Messiah, a descendant of David and of Abraham. But you read just a few more words. It says, Abraham was the father. He was the father of it all because he believed when it made absolutely no sense. You know, I love all the stories in the Bible. I love them for the historical uh, facts. You know, all of these things are so interesting. I love going there in my mind and seeing what it looked like and smelling what it smelled like. But I also believe that every, every scripture that has been preserved, every story, is because God wants to talk to us. What does that story have to do with Crystal? What does that story have to do with you? Because as much as Abraham had a plan for his life, so do you. It won't be the same one. He's already used Abraham for that. But it's going to be a good one. And the reason I know that is because one of the favorite scriptures we Christians like to quote is Jeremiah 29, 11, right? You can probably quote it with me. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are good plans. Not for disaster. They're to give you a hope and a future. It's good stuff, guys. And God has a plan for you. But you got to find out what it is. If you go on to the next verse, it says, God said, remember he's the one talking, in the days when you pray, I'm going to listen. Like he's waiting. He's waiting. Are you ready? Okay, pray. He'll give it to you. He wants you to know your plan more than you want to know your plan. But it's up to us to listen. In fact, I think back to the story of Abraham that night when God calls him out to look at the stars and fill him in a little more on the plan. Where did God call him out so he could go outside? Where was he? This is what I like to think. I think he's in the tent after a hard day's work, and I think Sarah is cooking and pots and pans are just clanging. And I think she's talking his leg off. You know? Like she's got to tell him what happened to her that day. And then I think he's probably set making his to-do list for tomorrow. Because he had a lot of responsibilities. But then he hears God say, hey, Abraham, come outside. So we did. And I think he closed the flap of the tent behind him. And all the noise just disappeared. And it was still quiet. Looks up into the sky and God says, see those stars? That's how great your descendants are going to be. He heard God. Have you heard God? Now, I will tell you for myself, I know God has given me a dream. In fact, it's so big that you would probably think I was as crazy as what people thought Abraham was. But I know God gave me a dream. I don't doubt it. But I will tell you, I believe it's much bigger than me. And I believe long after I'm gone, it will still be going on. And to give you a little hint of what I'm talking about, anybody that has ever come to a Sikh event or a Bridge Women's group event, you're in my dream. You're my Isaac. Because God wants to do something with the women through the Bridge Church. But I'm also a part of my husband's dream. When several years ago, God said, I want you to build a church. And gave him elaborate dreams 
yeah, I'm, I've joined, I've joined your dream too, baby. And a lot of people, many of you sitting right here have also started dreaming right alongside with us. And you know what? God's been doing it in stages. Started in our living room. Many of you have heard the story. Then we moved to the Hilton and had to open the divider for both rooms at the Hilton. Then God gave us this building to start our Isaac. Just concrete floors, no walls. Several of you were there with us. Started dreaming with us, making kids' rooms. And then another stage came, and we felt it was time for the next generation to take the lead and turn the lead pastorships over to our sons, Devin and Dustin. And then God completely took us somewhere we didn't know. Um, and BKA now exists. So we have a daycare and a preschool. And it's just happening in stages. But it's just the beginning. This place that you see here is just our starter home. Don't ever forget, this is just our starter home. Because God has given us a dream. We're going to keep taking stage after stage, fulfilling whatever he wants. Because it's really all about him and what he wants. Mm. But I want to bring it back around to the very beginning, what I said. Every message you hear, I want you to personalize it. Remember I said that? So it's not about me. It's not about Steve. It's not about Abraham. It's what God is trying to tell you. So I just want to leave two thoughts with you because I know it's Mother's Day and we need to go celebrate mothers. But I want to really drill these two simple things into your mind. Number one, that no matter how old you get, how mature you get, I want you to keep dreaming. Now, maybe you think you already know the plan God has for your life, but you've been like, eh, now's the time. Or maybe, like Abraham, real life has happened. A famine has happened in your life, and you've had to step off the, off the path. It's just you had to, but now God's saying, okay, okay, come on now. Get back onto the path, the plan I have for you. Or maybe you don't even realize God's been dealing with you. Like maybe those thoughts you keep having are like, man, I, I really think it would be cool if somebody would just do this in a certain ministry. Or, you know, I've got so many great ideas. I wish somebody would do it. But maybe that somebody is you. I can't fulfill your plan. It's not mine. But all together, just think what we can do if we step into the plans God has for each and every one of us. No, you're not too old. You're not too busy. Because God has a plan for you. And the final thing I want to leave you with. When I say I want you to personalize this, from this day forward, every time you quote, Jeremiah 29, 11. Every time you hear it, every time you read it, I want you to put your name and know I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Tina, 
Tara, Becky, Emma, it's for you. It's for every one of us, whatever your name is from now on. I don't mean you think, oh, that was nice. Yeah, yeah. No, it's for you. Thus saith the Lord, I have a plan for you.